I am Holly Whitaker. And I am Laura McCowan. And this is Home Podcast. And so we would begin. Hi. Can you hear my cat? No. Okay. Piper's going to be part of the show. Why is she purring? No, she's trying to get into my backpack and purring like a motor. Oh. Mm-hmm. Cute little cats. Cute cats. Uh-huh. I'm the cat lady. <laughs> um, how are you doing? Happy Happy Sunday. Mm-hmm. Happy Sunday to you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, am going to write all day. I literally, I don't have a kid and I don't have any other obligations today for, except for work for the first time in a very long time. And I wrote for four hours yesterday. So I'm anxious because I'm like, feel like I'm, roll. I'm in it. So I'm going to go back to it. That's awesome. Yes. I love that mm-hmm. feeling. I know. I know. How are you? I'm good. You need to stop your cat. I can hear your cat. Um, <laughs> I'm good. I'm, um, I was just telling you on our pre-talk and the stuff that can't make it to the show because it's so bad. No, um, I was just telling you, I'm just like, I feel like I have no skin on my body right now. I'm at my like final, this, I'm looking forward to this week. I'm staying here for Thanksgiving. My friends and I are going to go to Japantown and eat noodles and do karaoke on Thanksgiving. And that feels like the best thing in the world. Yeah, that sounds so good. Yeah, or you're gonna Thanksgiving. eat noodles. Yeah, like ramen, like like oh. we're gonna go to Japantown. Um, but it's like it's such a relief, other than traveling and cooking and cleaning. Dude. And I love. I mean, I really do love the cozy holidays. Like I love Christmas and Thanksgiving. I love being around my family, and um, you know, and I do like my family makes a big deal out of out of holidays. But um, yeah. I'm just so tired. So I'm going to go to like a 5 a.m. yoga class and then a 9 a.m. yoga class. And then I'm going to go and rock my fucking face off at a karaoke bar. (laughs) That sounds so good. (laughs) I'm doing a turkey for the first time ever this year. Oh, my God. I've never cooked a turkey. Have you? Me neither. Wow. No. I know. And and Alma's dad – because we're we're still doing our like modern family version of Thanksgiving, and you know we're still in that mode, which is which is cool. Don't you feel like you'll always be in that mode if you've like Maybe. been able to do it at this point? I don't know. Um, perhaps, but we've either of us have never been in like a serious relationship. Like I'm sure if one of us gets married, we won't be doing that. But who knows? Maybe we will. I don't know. But we're going up to the ski house with um, another family and like doing the whole you know modern family Griswold thing, and um. I was like, fuck it. I am going to do the full thing. I'm going to do all the, you know, I'm, I'm not doing all of it. One of the other women is sharing in duties, but I was like, I'm doing a bird, like an actual bird. <laughs> so amazing. we'll see. We will see. That's amazing. One Feels time great. I cooked a tofurkey, but that's about it. <laughs> is tofurkey good? Yeah, it actually, well, I mean, it's like, it's, um, I think it's not tofu. I think it's, um, I think it's what like wheat other? gluten. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it is like, you know, I, I love the substituted meat products. 
Well, you can make them taste. They taste like anything you want them to taste. Well, when you haven't tasted meat in a long, you know what I mean. When you haven't had the texture of meat, it like, and you're also like somebody who loves the taste of meat, then it makes Mm -hmm. a. Um, it does like make a. I don't even know what I'm saying, but yeah, that's so fun. I'm that's so fun. Yeah, have fun. Um, awesome. So, all right. So So this is to promote. Yeah, I'm gonna probably I'm gonna promote Hips Variety School, which I will be promoting now forever. Um, <laughs> um so Hips Variety School starts we the winter edition starts on January fourth and registration opens on December twenty seventh. So if you're interested in if you're interested in, in doing that as part of your New Year's resolution or just to strengthen mm-hmm. your sobriety, um, or if you're just curious about sobriety, uh, you can sign up to get on the wait list at www.thehipsobrietyproject.com or you can go to my website, Hip Sobriety, and you can just click on Hip Sobriety School. Um, but yeah. You know, I love it. Yes. I, um, a couple things doing the big air. Yes. Project also in January. So two ways to get your 2017 going, um, (laughs) (laughs) started off right. Wow. I know. I know. Um, It's actually 2018 by the way too. Oh my God. I'm see, I'm already (laughs) like doing the, the bad check writing thing. Um, yes, (laughs) Seriously, it takes me like all year to get up to the, the the current year. I don't even know how old I am anymore. I mean, I like, you know, anyway, please. I know, I know. So I'm launching it. Uh, I'm actually, it goes, the registration opens the first week in December and it will launch January 1st or 2nd, that, that very first week of January. And uh, all the info, what it's all about is on my website, lauramccowan.com slash yes. Uh, and I love it. And I'm so excited. And um, I'm already planning um, based on the last one that we did. Um, the new sort of curriculum will be the same, just better. So yes, the bigger yes. Uh, and that's all really. I'm Otherwise, I'm just, you know. Writing your book. Rotten, rotten. Cool. Okay, so this in this very special episode of Home Podcast, we interview mm. our friend Kate Northrup. Yeah. This was a long time coming, talking to her. And it was so – um, I was so – it was such a pleasant surprise. Like, I, I already knew I really like her and love her work. But you know how it's different talking to someone than you think it's going to be in, like, the uh, in like a really, really good way? Yeah, I felt like it was like that for me. Well, I think we like, both felt like that. I think like we we talked about this on the podcast. I think we both had this um, preconceived notion. I mean, I was excited. I've been following her, especially like some of her her posts in the last year. Yeah. Um, just you know, I feel like she and I are kind of on the same path. Mm-hmm. Um, and and some of the things that we're coming to start to understand, like she was reading the same, she had the same stack of books that I had, um, like when woman was a god, and mm-hmm. like she she was just, I feel like her like rise sister rise moment happened at like the same time mine did, which is funny because she's friends with Megan Watterson, and I she know. had written and 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 she had in one of her posts like about a year ago she'd said something like she's finally reading these books that Megan's been telling her to read and. Um, 
And then just like her speaking out on privilege. And I feel like, like there is just, um, I've been watching her and just feeling like, yes, like I so, like I so see you and I so like know what's happening. And, and there's that. But then there's also this thing we talked about on the show, which was that she also comes off as somebody that is incredibly, and I think it's probably because of her mom and probably because of her. And in my mind, I was like, she's, she's got a budget. She follows a budget. She's, you know, <laughs> yeah. she's somebody that makes her bed every day. She right. is. <laughs> You know, and like yeah, it's totally. funny because I'm not friends with a lot of people like that. Um, I know, I know. <laughs> and she's not like that. Um, right. But there is some. But there is this. I would say like this. I don't know what for why. Um, but we just. I think both of us had that kind of um, revelation. Um, huh. Well, you know, people from online, and it's not that her online persona doesn't match her. It's just. Mm-hmm. It's always slightly different when you actually get to talk to people, and it was so. Yeah. I don't know. I I thought. I loved our conversation. It went kind of in a few different, very different directions, but I'm so um, fascinated by the, both the the main, main things we talked about, but especially the whole cycle thing. And just like, I know you've been thinking about that for a long time, um, but it's still newer to me. And I don't know. I think it's so When you say cycle, you mean like working around your cycle. Just that there are cycles. Like we're cyclical. We're not like linear beings that just go, just go, 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 go. Right. And that everything has has cycles. And I feel like I have intuitively come into that in my own life. Like I I, um, respect my energy levels so much more than I used to. And I sort of, um, it was, it was a very strange realization that is a little bit, um, scary and alarming when I quit my job to not turn on the go button every single day, and like yeah. charge forward. Like I yeah. felt like something was wrong. Yeah. Like I was, it shouldn't feel, I shouldn't, I felt like I should just be more freaking out, stressed out, adrenaline, adrenaline all the time, like I used to. And yeah. it was like, oh, I can actually breathe. And like, there are times when I when I fully go, and there are times when I pull back. And it's taken me a while. I kind of intuitively like fell into this thing, and then to hear it be talked about is like, oh, well, that's, that's such so- a good point. Because like on the quitting your job thing too, like for me, and that's a really hard thing because for me. I gained weight and I slept more Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I didn't have it all in me. And like the, and I felt, and, and that was such a, it was like a break, right? Between this thing that I thought I needed in order to give me quote unquote structure. Um, and then finding a structure to build a, like actually finding my own rhythms and building a structure around that. Like I don't work, I don't start work until 9am now and Mm. I don't take meetings before 9am for the most part. And yep. um, that's something I'm just like, I am not – like, I've always been like, I wake up at 5. I can take a meeting at 6. <laughs> and, like, it's, right. that's actually, like, not how my body – like, my body hates me for that. Like, fucking yep. hates me for that. So I go to yoga in the mornings and I, like, sit in bed and read and I – like, my body wants that. So I think it's really – it is interesting. You're right. Like, quitting your job, breaking away from this, like, corporate structure does give you this chance to kind of be, like, pretty f- feminine and fluid in your – yeah, totally. Right. And I like the the word rhythm, like, because everybody's different. Like I have the most energy, the most creativity, the most, uh, like go in me when, between when I wake up and like one o'clock. Yeah. And after that, it like 
steadily declines. Like you're someone who can work at night. Yes, I am. And uh, I, I've got nothing, like zero. Um, so it, I don't know. And I don't think it's just for people that are not in the corporate world. Like I think we can all kind of figure out these these sort of rhythms and like respect it. It's For me, Within it's pretty different. I think we just like kind of – like it's just like this industrial – like industrialized nation kind of thinking of like, you know, like eight to five. Yep. Um, but I do think – I think you're right. Um, so, so yeah, I mean – I'm I'm looking forward to letting people listen to the to the interview. What about you, Laura? <laughs> of course I am. Yes, I think it was great. Um, I loved her. I think it comes. This is coming at a really good time. Yes, for people. So here is Kate. Uh, a little, just a little about her. Uh, the info is posted, but she has a website, Kate Northrup. She does a podcast with her husband Mike. Uh, I think it's the Kate and Mike show, and she's got a ton of just really, really, really good content. She she launched a um, a community called Origin earlier this year, and she's definitely someone who puts out um, like really quality stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. Here she is. Hey, Kate. Hi. Hi. Good yeah, well, it's, it's lunchtime here. It's so early here. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I have a question, a random question. I'm just curious about, I was thinking about it today. Did you grow up in Maine? I did. I grew up about seven minutes from where I currently live. Oh, wow. Yeah, I moved back to my hometown. Okay, so you moved somewhere else, though. You were somewhere else in between. I left for 10 years. Yeah. Manhattan? Manhattan, Providence, Rhode Island, um, the east end of Long Island, and then, like, various, like, Portland, Maine, and Falmouth, Maine, and little towns around here. Oh, cool. And then then I came home. How appropriate. (laughs) I know. It's funny. It's like a – it's very – it's a very East Coast thing to do. I was just talking to someone about that recently, like – where I live now, I live in on the North Shore of, of Massachusetts, and I'm always astounded by how many people grew up here and know each other from high school. Like, yeah. I'll be talking to a mom, and she's like, oh, yeah, we, we went to high school together. I know. I've known her since third grade. And it's that's so foreign to me. Yeah. Because <laughs> I left after her high school. I left Colorado, and I just, I don't know anybody like that. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. It is cool. Yeah, I still hang out with women that I have known since I was two. Wow. Um, and our kids play together. It's really, I for me, it's like what I always thought. I mean, my friends and I would imagine growing up um, that we would all raise our kids on the same street. Yeah. <laughs> right, like, but yeah. did you reject that, that at a certain then, point? Did I what? Like reject that at a certain point where you're like, I'm out of here? Um, yeah, I mean, I did leave for a good long time because I wasn't I always thought I would come back to Maine, but I wasn't sure. And I thought it would be a good idea to explore the alternatives. Right. Um, so I I did do that. And I, I went everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, so it turns out my tiny town of 9000 where I grew up <laughs> is still the best place for me. Yeah. That's amazing. I ran. Yeah. I totally ran from where I grew up um, as soon as I could. And I don't think I'll ever move back there. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So anyway, um, we're so glad to have you on. I know we had we had to reschedule once. It was totally um, well. It was not my fault. It was was it my fault? Lives. No, it was oh. mine. It was like there was just too much noise. Right. There was like construction happening in my building. It sounded like it was about to come down the morning that we were about to talk. Yeah. But I'm kind of glad because since then there, there's a couple things that have come up in your work that I'm excited to ask you about. And awesome. the the reason we initially. I mean, I've, I've followed your work for a while, um, especially about money. And But the reason w- that we decided that we wanted to have you come on was when you wrote a post, uh, it was a f- couple of months ago now, maybe in August, about, it's titled Privilege, Discernment, and the Courage to Pay Attention. Mm-hmm. And it was, I might have you talk about it a little bit, but it was about basically that you stopped watching the news when, I don't know at what age. and you, I never you, started. Okay, mm. so you just didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and you had, like, you basically didn't, you, you didn't watch the news. And I, that was me for a long time, too. Yeah, me too. And then you came into this place where you're like, that's, it's actually, there has to be a way to do this. You thought you were protecting yourself. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I thought I was practicing. So uh, just to clarify, I still don't watch the news, but, um, but you get the news, but I do, way. I do read the news and, um, I find that through social media, you know, I, I'm far more aware of what's going on. Um, and rather than ignore it, which is what was coming up in my feed, which is what I used to do. Yeah. I've actually started to engage with it and, dive deeper and do some Googling and find sources that I trust. And so I'm actually engaged with what's happening in the world. Whereas before I had, had, I think like many people in the spirituality and self-development world had this idea that paying attention to the terrible things happening in the world were energizing them and making them worse. And therefore, um, by not paying attention I was helping. Right. Mm -hmm. But really what I realized is that my not paying attention. No, I, I still, I'm, I'm not a news junkie. Like I know people who are checking the headlines every 20 minutes. I don't have news apps on my phone. Like I'm telling you, I'm still pretty. I, I find out what I need to find out. And then I, remove myself from the media because it's a machine and it is designed to prey on our fear. And it's not, so like, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a major news consumer still, but I realized that my ability to just completely disengage was just a complete um, product of privilege. Yeah. And I, I was like, oh my God. I, I mean, I just had never, it had never, I just had never realized, right? Because mm-hmm. when you are privileged, unless you're paying attention, you just don't realize you are. Yeah. And right. um, I realized I wanted to actually engage in being part of the solution in a much more active way. Um, and just like in our bodies or in our lives, when there are things that are inflamed, when there are things that are going wrong, when there are things mm-hmm. that need our attention, they don't go, you know, Abusive relationships don't go away by us ignoring them. Right. 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 <laughs> like anger, fear, they don't go away by us ignoring them. And and I think that's a microcosm of what's going on in our in our world. So um 
What happened? Yeah. When what, was it around? Like, what did, was there something specific? Um, yeah. Was there something specific? Gosh. I, you know, it was like within a week, I read a couple different pieces about white privilege. It was in August. It was like the second to last week of August. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brene Brown had done an amazing Facebook Live um, mm-hmm. about white supremacy and why we need to keep talking about Charlottesville. It was specifically Charlottesville yeah. that um, I think spawned my paying attention in a deeper way. So I, I watched that Facebook Live with Brene Brown and I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And then there was a piece from um, Leila Saad about I, I need to talk to white spiritual women. Yes, mm-hmm. I love that piece. Hit me like a ton of bricks. Yep. And then there was this other quote meme thing going around, which I can't recall who it was right now, um, but I could go back on my Instagram and find it about about what privilege is. Yep. And it described me. And I was like, okay, yeah. there yeah. you go. <clears throat> That's me. And then, um, so, okay. So you, so you do that and, and then you start to like, what did you do? Because the reason we want to talk about this is because I think, I mean, it, I feel the same way. I, I was privileged and privileged. Um, I more or less ignore the news for, for similar reasons. And because I could, you know, and mm-hmm. I didn't think it really affected me um, too much. And, and because it didn't, a lot of things didn't. Right. Yeah. So, so but there's also but, another piece to that too, though. It's not just, I don't think it's just privilege. I also, well, think... no, I, uh, let me finish. Okay. It was, it was like, I would watch the news and, and I would just feel shitty, like right. super shitty. And I would get, like, oh, this is so, uh, part, part of it being like a media machine, but part of it just being like, oh, like what, what difference does it make if I'm watching anyway? This is so, this is so awful. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's too big. Like what, what does it matter if I'm watching? If I'm watching, it just makes me feel awful. And sometimes, you know, depending on what I'd be watching, like, like, uh, you know, of course, when 9-11 happened and um, there are stories that, that are very, you know, the Boston Marathon, for sure, because I was there, like that you don't ignore because they're so close to home. And those, I mean, I would get so spiraled down in the pain of those that it was like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do it and do it in a way. I don't know how to how to live in the world and feel like I'm doing anything about it um, without getting dragged down into it and sucked down into it. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Paul, I, what did you want to say? I was just going to say, I think there's a piece of this and something that I'm, I'm, that I'm negotiating, which is just, there's, there's also a way to consume it. Like a lot of us do think that the way to stay on top of things is to consume it through like a 24 hour news cycle. <laughs> And to, I mean, it's truly, it's such a, it is such a belief that the, that the, I mean, my mom is a really perfect example of this. She thinks that Mm -hmm. her social responsibility is to watch CNN and Rachel Maddow and, you know, and to, and, and, and Freed Zakaria and like, and also to be on Twitter, you know, she feels that it's her social responsibility and, and very seriously so to know what's going on. And so there's this part of, I think there's also I, everything that you just said, Laura, I completely agree with. Like, there's just this, like, it made me sick. It made me sick to mm-hmm. know what was going on. I couldn't stomach it. And I don't, I think some of us sometimes aren't strong enough to be able to really 
um, consume it. I think, you know, especially our audience, we've talked about this before. I think some people are, are still working on things within their lives that are just um, yeah, like too, it's too much to take on the problems of the world if you haven't taken on the problems of your own soul. But I do think that there is a, there is a, a piece in here that's in, that I want to talk about, which is how do we actually responsibly consume and stay engaged and, 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 and tune in. And I, you know, for me, that's been something I've had to navigate really carefully. Like, I have to know the difference between when I'm just taking the easy pass and checking out because I don't want to deal with it um, and when I'm actually turning off because I can't deal with it and also then finding the ways that I can consume it and know and be well enough informed to understand what's happening to, and to understand how to stand up in what's happening um, and use my microphone and use my voice and use whatever. But um, that's a really, that's a very delicate thing. And, and I think it's, it takes a lot of awareness, self-awareness and anyway. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And I think it's quite personal. Um, I don't think any of us can say how someone should consume the news. Um, because everybody has such different triggers and such different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And, um, I feel pretty steady right now in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I also, you know, like you ladies have a platform and I realized by, if I have these women, especially mothers who I'm engaging with and I'm not talking about what's real and what's affecting a lot of them. And I'm not bringing the voices that haven't been typically brought to the forefront if I'm not inviting women of color to speak, you know, within my membership, if, if I'm, um, letting, you know, if I'm unconsciously letting white supremacy, then filter through my brand mm -hmm. and my platform, yes. like I'm part of the problem. So mm -hmm. I saw it more from that perspective because I was just like, I'm part of, I, I just was, I was like, I, wow, I'm part of the problem. And yeah. so, mm -hmm. so it was, just, it was very personal yeah. and, um, and I can't, you know, I can't speak to what somebody else should do, but I will say I don't w ever watch the news on television. Um, we do not have a newspaper subscription and I really love, um, learning about politics from Elizabeth Cronus McLaughlin, who does resistance live on Facebook every day. It's a live feed. Um, Ooh, I didn't know about that. Oh, awesome. she's amazing. She's wise. She's a hardcore feminist. Um, and she explains it in a way that I understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I don't have to consume everything because hers is like 10 minutes. Yeah. So yeah. that's what, you know, that's one source that I really, um, I really appreciate, really appreciate the guardian. Um, you know, mm -hmm. there's a few others, um, but it was more just like being engaged and asking the questions. It wasn't so much. And then also for me, really specifically, it was like, make my brand less white. Yeah. I mean, I'm super and what does that mean? So for us, it was within, within my membership origin, we realized, um, you know, for the first four to six months of the program, we had only had white women be our featured Maven masterclasses. Mm. Yeah. And it was like, oh God, you know, and so now mm. we just have policies in place to bring voices forward that um, historically haven't been celebrated because that's part of the solution. Right. Yeah. No. Um, and I don't know, you know, and then I will be perfectly honest. I've seen women, um, of color who I follow say that they will, they will not, uh, accept invitations to speak on podcasts or in, you know, in forums that have been 
traditionally white up until now, even because they, they don't want to be part of something that's, um, you know, they don't want to be the token person. Right. And so that makes me then feel a little stuck. I'm going to be perfectly honest. And I totally honor that choice completely. Um, and it makes me feel a little stuck because I'm like, okay, no, not, that's not everybody. So, um, but it's like, well, how do I fix the problem if I can't then invite more conversation? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I I don't know, but that's, that's what I'm doing. And I'm just reading more. I'm reading a book right now called just mercy. Um, I don't know if you guys have read about it, but it's about, um, incarceration and, um, I'm just trying to understand better. Just, just learning, just having conversations with people I know who are more well-informed than I am. Yeah. I love it. And I think that's, you know, even just a couple things that, that you mentioned will help people. I think for me, it's honestly, for me, it was like learning basic stuff that I didn't know about politics and yes. just saying, who cares? I don't know it. So I don't know it. <laughs> like, so I'm going to start somewhere instead of just burying my head in the sand further. And, you know, I also do know a lot. So I think you just start where you are and, uh, yep. and get over that, you know, feeling, sounding, acting stupid. Um, That's so key is to get over worrying about saying the wrong thing or acting stupid. And I like to just blow it up up front and just be like, hey, I'm probably going to say something stupid. <laughs> and I'm probably going to say something that's going to offend somebody. I'm sure that I've already said something that if it would have offended at somebody who could possibly be listening to this. Yeah. Um, but it's okay. better. I'd rather do that than not talk about it because that complacency is is silent agreement, right? Yes. So well, I had like, one Paul, thing to say. Yeah. yeah, I know. I just had one thing to say to that too. Just about the piece where you know that there are some people of color that won't come on to your show or to a tra- like a, a traditionally white platform. And I think one of the things that I've encountered in the last year, um, like on top of the, like you have to be willing to feel stupid is I think there's also this part of like being like kind of navigating through what might feel really hurtful. Right. And mm-hmm. I think this is like really well demonstrated by the fact that, that there is this idea that like now that I think a lot of, and like self-included, a lot of white people can tend to feel like, well, like w- like the solution is to go out and make friends or to talk to women of color, people of color, to try and like um, to learn. And a lot of what we're talking about is a white, a problem that was created by white people. And yes. so when we turn to, and, and, and like I can see the natural inclination to go and, and to find a black woman and ask her to educate you on racism, mm. which is not her problem. And there is, but that is something, and it's so interesting because in the many different threads where I have seen where this has been posited by a black woman or woman of color, where it's like, this is not my responsibility. I expect, I expect this to change, but please do not come to me and expect me to teach you. And then you see so much resources. There's so many, but what you see in a lot of those threads, it's really interesting is you see, you see women saying, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Like, you're asking me to change this and then you're not going to help me with this, which is privilege. Um, so it's just, right. but it's interesting because this is one of the things and like, and I get it as a white woman. I get that that's really hurtful when you're told, like, please fix this. Please don't come to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, especially right now, now that it's like popular to do this or it's a little more, you know, like, where were you? That kind of, and I can feel like I, I feel myself starting to 
to shut down. I follow Shishi Rose. I don't know if you do, but mm-hmm. um, there are certain times where she's posted things and I'm like, oh, it, it hurts, right? But that's also just a fraction of the pain. Um, and also it's one of these things that I think is, it's important to understand that, um, there's like, there is this, there is this, uh, I would say like, I'm trying to be a good white person and, and ask you how to help. And really uh, the answer is like, you know, it, the answer is that it's not, um, it's not a, a woman of colors. Like racism is not, um, the problem of uh, that is caused mm-hmm. by people of color. It's a, it's a problem mm-hmm. caused by white people. And for us to like expect people of color to help us understand it, um, and fix it, um, is again, like just this privilege thing. So I think this is, that's another dynamic yeah, I that I've seen come up so much. Um, and it's so painful and delicate and, but also it's something that like you also see changing and you see people like open to having conversations about this. And anyway, I just, I wanted to bring that part up because it's not just the being willing to look stupid. It's also being willing to like be incredibly empathetic about where someone's coming from and, and also just like ready to feel uncomfortable and also potentially hurt, you know? Yeah. So I, yeah. Thank you for bringing up that aspect. I think it's really important. Yeah. Um, and by the, like, there are so many, there's incredible treasure trove of articles and places where we can educate ourselves without needing to have somebody sit down with us. Yeah. Jenny Deluxe, yeah. Jenny Wortham, Jenny Deluxe has a, has a syllabus, um, a Google doc. We can share it in the links, but she's got a syllabus with like lots and lots and lots of, like, she actually has put together <laughs> a reading list. Um, but, but yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's Google. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> we have Google. We have Google. <laughs> so we could talk about this forever, but I want to, I really want to talk about um, your work and like what you've been doing, because um, even just watching from afar, you know, as a, as a very passive sort of, well, not passive, but, a, but I've been watching your work. And since you've had your baby and um, it's, it feels like uh, the first time I heard you say something about doing less I think was like it must have been last year mm-hmm. um and I was like oh I love that idea of doing less or uh, my my life has become so much about doing less and you're like well you've got we've got a whole year of this coming I've got a lot of stuff coming mm. and then you kind of ju- you kind of um I don't know I love all of the things that you're talking about and doing and one of the parts that really spoke out to me um, you wrote recently, you said, here's the thing. I have a big appetite. Um, when left untethered, I'm always going to veer towards more, <laughs> doing more. And you said, I have constantly, I have to constantly strengthen my discernment muscles because I'll always be a knee jerk. Yes. Person. Like you love that about yourself, but it's also one of your biggest flaws. So I wanted, I wanted to talk about that. Like being a yes person and what that means and how you've started to work with it and like how, cause it feels like to me, it's something that's really changed your life. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, a, a lot, a lot of it happened, um, by accident. Like I didn't go yeah. on a do less crusade on purpose. I just, during my pregnancy, I was so tired. I couldn't do anything. Right. And then during the first year of motherhood, um, a, I was so tired. I couldn't do anything. And B, we had a 
this sick baby who wouldn't sleep and it was brutal. Uh, Um, and so I just was like hanging on by a thread. I was just hanging on by a thread. And so what was so amazing though, is that our business stayed afloat. And so in retrospect, I was like, wait, what was going on there? Because I would have thought that my life would have come crashing down due to the small amount of work I was doing. Um, Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like, oh, I wasn't holding the whole thing up. Yeah. And then, and it was fine. So then I was like, well, what the fuck have I been doing for the past, you know, however many years, over 10 years, 12 years since I started in the business world? How many hours? Have I spent doing things that I did not need to be doing? If well, I'm just, just doing, period, right? <laughs> so yeah. I'm a <laughs> I mean, not nothing. That's that's extreme. But um, yeah. I mean, I I want to do all the things. I love. I love. I love people, and I love what they're up to, and I love doing things with them. I just do. <laughs> I mean, naturally speaking, I will be dawn to, you know, dawn to midnight, just like hanging out doing stuff. But, um, but when I do that, I get resentful over time. And then the things that really matter to me don't make it on my plate. And mm-hmm. then, you know, year will go by and I realize I haven't actually grown my life in the way I wanted to. And so, and I find that that's really common, especially with these crazy ideas we have of what motherhood is supposed to be. And I have, I just know so many moms who just think they should be able to do it all. And I don't really know where that came from, but I know it's not helping us. So did you have like a crap, like, was it kind of a, a, was it, let me talk to us about, uh, we don't talk for all the women's stuff we talk about, we don't talk a ton about like motherhood, being a new mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lots of, there are tons of moms listening and it's specifically like what you thought it was going to be and what mm. it was and like how was it, how hard that was or was it hard? Oh my God, it was so hard. I mean, just starting from birth. <laughs> that was yeah. like, like I you thought it was going to be a certain way. I thought I was going to be a certain way and you know I had a planned home birth which ended up in an emergency c-section with a week in the hospital I mean I had the most medical experience compared to what I had in mind which was like basically completely non-medical yeah. um so that was shocking and traumatic mm-hmm. um and then yeah basically from then on like it just got harder <laughs> I just, you know, I mean, it's so hard to describe, but it was just like, I mean, I think I had postpartum anxiety. I had postpartum insomnia. So, you know, that whole sleep when your baby's sleeping, I was like, what if you're too anxious to sleep? And what if you can't fall asleep because you're afraid that if you fall asleep, you won't hear your baby wake up. So you just lie in bed awake, even though you're What did you do? Because a lot of moms on our show, that's when they start drinking. Or our listeners. Yeah. That's when I started drinking like a ton. Uh, it changed. When you were a new mom? Yeah. I mean, that's when it changed. It yeah. shifted. Um, what did you do? Mm, I, that's so interesting. Um, so my husband's um, sober and I've never been a drinker. So that wasn't something that 
I don't know, wasn't really on my radar, but I have to tell you, we would look at each other and be like, and just all the time, we still do. Sometimes we're like, this is why people drink. Uh I mean, we just, like, (laughs) I just, I so get it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I so get it. So, um, I, well, luckily I have like a really amazing partner who helped so much. Like when I wasn't sleeping, I, he was like, okay, you have to sleep. So I would sleep in the guest room and he would bring me the baby in the middle of the night to feed her. Mm, yeah. um, and then I would, I would put her back, um, in her room, but so things like that. And then, um, over time, I, <laughs> this is like, this is the really least sexy answer. It just got better. Over Please. Time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, and now we're like having so much fun and we've got baby number two on the way and, and, it's so it, right. how far along it. are you? You're I'm 20 weeks. Okay. So oh my God. Wow. Congrats. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. we got another baby girl on the way. Oh but yeah. Girl. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Double trouble. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like so freaking hard and I think I just had to have that experience because, um, there's no way. I could be doing the work I'm doing right now if I had like had one of those babies who just started sleeping through the night and was just like cooey and happy. Yeah. Because there are women who post (laughs) these things on social media (laughs) where they're like, Oh, you know, my baby's 13 weeks today and every day has been, you know, more blissful than the next. And I'm like, wait, am am I on a different planet? Like that was not, I mean, I'll just be really honest. Like my first year of motherhood was hell. Mm. It sucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. So a lot of people just said, oh my God, thank you. Because <laughs> it's true. And I guess the reason I'm pushing on this is because it feels like, and I don't know if this is true. Tell me if I'm just projecting something, but it feels like your work really changed. Oh, um, huge. So, so, so talk about it. Like yes, yeah, so I was, um, I mean, my work is all by accident anyway. I don't even know how I'm doing what I'm doing, but what happened is <laughs> I was giving this workshop and then I got asked to write a book on the material in the workshop. So I, I pitched a different book, but the book they wanted was a book on money. So I just wrote it. Oh, and, interesting. And, yeah. And <laughs> I mean, I've always been a student of prosperity mindset and the law of attraction. And like, I've always been super interested in money and business. So, you know, I was reading personal finance books when I was a teenager, like a complete weirdo. Um, So it wasn't like so far out of left field, but it wasn't, you know, it's not what I had dreamed of my whole life. And then so suddenly I was this personal finance author and I was like, oh, I mean, from the day the book came out, it was like, oh, uh uh-oh. I'm not, uh-oh, I believe in my book. I think it's it's so helpful for people. Um, but I just, it wasn't like my life's work. And so I knew that. Um, and it came out September 2013. And then um, after that, it was kind of like, okay, what now? And, um, and yeah. so there was a really long period of having no idea what I was doing and thinking I should know, but I didn't. So I just kept growing our business and, you know, doing the things that, I, you know, I launched a feng shui course and, um, we did a bunch of things, all of which I'm proud of. Otherwise I would have taken them off the market, but it wasn't like the thing. Yeah. And I just had to really accept that I didn't know what I was doing. And then I felt like I was playing business. Okay. You do not come across as the type of person that does not know what they're doing. Isn't that funny? Do you think it's because of the money book? (laughs) 
No, I know. Well, like you, you really come off as as purposeful, and you have a plan, and you're together. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's so well, interesting. I feel a little more. I have a. I have a really great plan right now. Okay. <laughs> I think so it was the post today. about how well, many words today. you write, and like I don't know, and that you budget. You know, stuff like that. I don't budget. <laughs> Wait a minute. I, you posted something about budgeting or like you were doing no, some sort of, you were doing, you've been doing something where you've been tracking I'll your expenses. I okay. I don't, we don't budget. Okay. I, I can't budget. I've tried. Ugh, it doesn't work. Worst. It feels very limiting. It yes. makes my, I can't, it makes my skin crawl. Makes and mine when people too. ask me budgeting questions and in interviews, I like want to die. Oh, yeah. so like, that's I, the I, worst. Stop. Here's what we do. Um, Mike and I sat down with a financial planner. He and I have a very similar uh, money personality. We're just both spenders and we'll both <laughs> default to being unconscious. <laughs> yeah, so, me too. Yeah. So that's great because we don't fight about money much except that <laughs> it's a problem because if you have two people like that in a relationship, things can get out of control really fast. Yeah. yeah. Sat down with a financial planner and um, she helped us create a plan for us to stay engaged. So every Monday morning we sit down and we did the calculations with her help to figure out for our personal life, what, what our needs are, what our wants are and what we need to put away for taxes and savings. And so, and, and what it costs to run our business. So it's not that we budget, but there is an amount that we set aside for our needs every week and for mm-hmm. our wants every week mm-hmm. and for our taxes and our savings. So every single week we make the transfers from our business account to those separate business accounts. So at the end of the month when we're paying the credit card bill, the money is there. But it's not like I'm trying to spend a certain amount of on groceries or whatever. We did those numbers based on actual real financial data as opposed to some ridiculous ideal that I was always going to fall short of, which is what budgeting feels like. It feels the budgeting feels very much like dieting to me. Oh yeah. It's the worst. Agreed. So, okay. So you just, I, you're, I'm still going like, Oh my God, you just, you always, I always feel like you look so together or like you, you like present. You have the energy of somebody that is, that has, yeah, I think that's it. And I'm not saying, and not like, not like to get, and no, no, no. And also like there, it's like the idea I think is like disciplined. I think that's what I, I like this, like discipline and intention. Okay. Okay. So, so here's, so in, in origin, which is this membership I have for mom entrepreneurs, um, we talk about the four phases of what I like to call the upward cycle of success and they mimic the four phases of the menstrual cycle and the four phases of the moon. Mm -hmm. So I didn't just like pull this out of my ass. Like this is real, this is mother nature. And so one of the phases, but when, but I apply it to phases of business and creativity. One of the phases is called the fertile void. And so the fertile void is the same energy as like the dark of the moon or the menstrual cycle, the menstrual part of your cycle when you're bleeding, where it's like rest and restore. And it really looks like there's nothing going on, but it's super important. Yeah. Um, And that's the part we probably always pass right over, like avoid, right? Yeah. We, we skip it or if we're in it, we fight it. So we right. never get the benefits. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I was in the fertile void from a business perspective from September, 2013, when my book came out until October, 2016. So a year ago, basically when the idea for everything that I'm doing now about do less and our origin membership and teaching women how to 
run their businesses cyclically and not in a perpetual harvest came to me. So okay. years Did you of know like, that you were, were you like, I'm in the fertile void. No, I wish I had known me then. <laughs> I just created origin because I was like, well, I needed this. So chances are pretty good. Somebody else would too. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I wish I had realized what was going on because I would have given myself um, less of a hard time. Yeah. yeah. I just like, I was like, God, all my friends know what they're doing and they seem so purposeful and they do whatever. But I did, I'll tell you what, I kept showing up every single week. I wrote my blog and, you know, we still launched things. We launched a podcast and, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I did things. Right. They just like the thing. Yeah. I mean, and that's it's- fine. There's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with, like, I wasn't going to just like sit in a cave for three years. Right. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So go through. So, so I'm glad you're talking about this. Cause I think Holly and I have both felt like this all the time. Like you feel like there's phases where there's just nothing happening. Yeah. Um, and I know, and, and I, because I've been through it a few times now, I know that sometimes those are the most, like, I have to remember that things are happening even when they're not happening. Like I can't see them. And our lives feel like that a lot, like yeah. not just in business, but, but all over the place yeah. in our like love lives or relationships or whatever. So what do you tell yourself? Do you still fight it? And what do you like kind of, how do you work with yourself? Yeah. So one thing that I really um, find solace in is, is cycles. And so whether it's, you know, I'm pregnant right now, so I'm obviously not having my period, but, um, but I track the moon. And so I give myself permission on a monthly basis to like have a few days where it's just chill. So I build it in, in a conscious way so that I'm retraining my psyche that like, this is part of it as opposed to just by accident, finding myself in a period where there feels like there's nothing going on. It's like, I actually do that on purpose because I've started to realize how critical that time is to the creative process and to the creation of anything. So for example, I'm writing my second book right now mm-hmm. and I sold the book in March mm-hmm. and then did nothing, <laughs> nothing until October. Mm-hmm. And then in October, I started writing the book and it is coming out like a fire hose and it's just mm-hmm. like crazy flow. But I don't consider that May to October time wasted. It just, there was a lot happening. And I know that if I had sat down to write before having that percolation time, I would not be in flow like right. I am now. Right. Right. And so I, I just understand that the the stillness is critical for oh. the depth and power of our creations. And so um I guess when I when I resist the stillness, I just try to remember how productive it is. Well, it's it's also like we don't I mean, it's not even that. It's that d- there's the discomfort of not even it's not even not knowing what you're supposed to be doing, but it's also that it feels like it shouldn't look like that. Like I think mm-hmm. so many times we have this idea of what it should look like and we're in these periods where either we are too tired to produce or we can't produce or it's just not working. Um like we like for me it's been I I think the biggest realization that's come out of these periods is how painful it is to fight that and how much yeah. energy I lose by resisting it and by putting so much it shouldn't look like this on it. Like I had 
in between quitting my last job and starting this, I went to Italy for two months. And the whole time I was there, I was and I, I was in Italy and I had enough money and, you know, but I could not get past the part where it wasn't what I was like, that it wasn't productive and, and I didn't know, you know, and I didn't know what I was doing and it hadn't taken shape and, and it, it just wasn't supposed to look like that. I was supposed to be writing every day, waking up at dawn and running through the streets and doing all this stuff. And it didn't look like that. And so for me, the part is, the part that I think has been the most beneficial to me is looking back at like at a time period like that where I'm like, oh my God, what I would give to go back and talk to her and tell her to chill out and to fucking enjoy it because it's not going to happen like this. Like, like it, it is not like this is not like it is um, – you're not going to have this time again. And instead – like so, so I now can when I'm in those periods, I think it's like I don't want to waste this time thinking that it shouldn't be like this. I don't want to waste this time beating myself up about – how it that it should look like something else when it actually is just kind of looking like this right now, and that's yeah. been really helpful. But it is. It's I such love a, that. It's such a hard period to be in when you when you when it's what what did you call it again the dark the space? fertile void the fertile void the yes. fertile void yeah well we so we funny. we live in a culture that's very linear and very focused on production above all yeah and you know it's the it's the patriarchal model of like, you must have something to show for yourself yeah. and your worth comes from what you do, not who you are. That's right. Um, and so it makes sense that we all feel bad when we're taking a break, but it's up to us to do it anyway. Otherwise the culture isn't going to shift. That's right. Right. What if you're so, okay. So, so I, I want to know literally how you plan, like, do you have like a chart of the moon Huh? Yeah. So, um, well, actually I, I created a planner. <laughs> um, I, so I sort of just like, I have always seen time cyclically in my head, uh-huh. um, which I found out as a form of synesthesia. I didn't, I didn't know that, you know, people who like taste shapes yeah. or taste colors. Apparently there's a type of synesthesia of with people who see time. Um, oh my God, that's so. That's what does that so mean, weird. though? So, so like, if I ask you uh, where May is, can you point to May? Oh, like I would point to the right, but I don't think that's more like I don't know. Like for what? It, but what about you? If I asked you that, <laughs> don't ask me right now. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> when I well, when I point to May, it's. If there was a clock in front of my face, May is at like, um, like 730. Wow. Oh, see, I would have done like, no. I would have done two. sense to me. <laughs> Interesting. I have a weird thing though. Like I feel geometry. I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah? like, I feel like I'm, I, I don't, um, like I can imagine how things work because I can feel geometry. Like, that may also be a form of synesthesia. It's so weird. Okay, so look it up. What okay, is the, what is the definition of synesthesia? It's it's just so I, a, don't, I don't. Okay. <laughs> it must just be like synthesis of two ideas that aren't related into exactly. Our two it's senses. Like a, it's like unusual way that your brain connects two unrelated uh, things. Okay. All right. Okay. So anyway, most people, if you ask them to point to May, they see a calendar in front mm-hmm. of them, mm-hmm. and they point to where May would be. Oh, sure. Got it. Okay. I have never had that. I've always seen the year as a circle. 
Okay. And so I started riffing on that and playing with it. And I was talking to my sister and she was like, yeah, and it's really cool when you see the day that way, because becomes, you know, time, then and energy become a renewable resource. And I was like, you're a genius. (laughs) So I have started looking at the day and the month and the year as circles, as opposed to lines. And it's really helpful for just feeling like there's more than enough time Um, because as the day goes on, you're not getting closer to the end of the day. You're getting closer to the beginning. So it just feels very refreshing. Like, oh, there's no such thing as running out of time. Oh, that's insane. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) The cup is filling up all day long. That's (laughs) Um, insane. So I it do. is insane, right? I'm, I right? don't know what to say. Cool. I'll never be like... able to think that way, but it is insane that you think that way. <laughs> I'm like, so, but what about deadlines? Yeah, um, no, those are all real. And I totally have, you know, I, we, yeah, we've got deadlines. We've got all the things, but you know, and I have a toddler to pick up a daycare and, you know, dinner to yeah, make and all the yeah. things. But, um, what I do do is when I am, um, having my period, I use the my flow app, which is M Y F L O, um, to track it, which is the only, um, sort of functional medicine app out there that actually teaches you, um, what the different phases of your cycle are good for, from a productivity standpoint. Oh gosh. So it's it's really exciting. This is my friend, Elisa VT's work. She founded flowliving.com. Um, And so I've got, I started really nerding out on like optimizing what I was focusing on each week, whether it was like in the follicular week, right after my period, it's really great for planning and starting things. Then in the ovulation week, it's really good for communication and pitching and meetings and, um, you know, being with other people around your creative, creative ideas. Then Mm -hmm. the luteal phase is really great for details and just like getting stuff done. And then the menstrual phase is a time of rest and evaluation. So I started actually planning my time that way. And then on a, on a bigger level, we plan our projects within our company that way. So, um, not around each person's menstrual cycle, cause that's far <laughs> confusing, um, <laughs> but <laughs> everybody's welcome to plan their own time around that. But, um, but on a sort of a macro scale, looking at as a company, where are we? Because I named these four phases of, of business or projects after the menstrual cycle, kind of energies. So there's the fertile void, which we talked about. Then there's emergence, which, so when we're in emergence in a project, we're in the planning stages, we're brainstorming, we're laying out the calendar, we're, um, you know, doing the projects to get it or doing the things to get it in motion. Then during the visibility phase, which is the same as ovulation, then we're like putting things out there. We're launching. I'm doing a lot more Facebook lives or Instagram lives. There's like a lot of out, out Out energy. energy. Yeah. Then the culmination phase is like delivering the product, customer service, um, making sure everyone got their stuff. You know, it's it's like wrapping it up, tying up loose ends, having the, you know, having the recap meeting with the team. How'd that launch go? What what did we learn? What do we need to do differently next time? Da-da. And then we plan in breaks as a company. We're taking like the two weeks of December, the last two weeks of December off, for example, um, yeah. so that we can build that right in, you know, because like... Nobody needs to read my blog every single week. And if I take two weeks off, no one cares. It's maybe my dad. My dad is the only person who's ever asked me where the blog was when it didn't come out. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> That's really uh, cute. It was sweet, yeah. Um, okay, so this is cool. I'm like going to, I'm totally going to, um, ch- well, I've already downloaded the app, but. 
You can do the same thing with the moon, by the way. So if you're pregnant or you've had a hysterectomy or you're postmenopausal, whatever, you don't have to have a period to play. Like you can just do track the moon and the same four cycles are, are there and you could do a quick Google and I'm sure there's a lot of articles about, yeah, you know, the two. I, like what if you're so, what if you work at a job that is so like, what if you're so far away from even thinking like this? Like what would be sort of one thing that it, that someone could do to like start thinking like this? Yeah. I'm thinking like of, of our audience, right? Yep. Um, people that are like not sober, trying to get sober. Some have been sober for a long time. They're just like, you know, doing their life. But what is like a thing that, what is sort of maybe one or two bits that you posted? I love that you posted that there was like sleep is a spiritual practice for you <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> uh, which I love. I told, and I think it's actually brilliant, but like, what are the couple things that, that sort of you would start someone on to just get into like settle into this type of thinking? Yeah. So, so first of all, it's, it's to know as a woman that we are hormonally speaking, we cycle on a 28 day cycle, but the world is set up for men and they hormonally speaking cycle on a 24 hour cycle. Um, so it's just, that's just important information to know. And it's why as women, we often feel like the world is not set up for us because it's Mm not. Um, so just know that. And then Especially like if you're kind of, um, you know, if you're going to a job that's the same every day, like that's very much the linear model. And then there are such small things that we can do. For example, um, I really recommend if you are cycling to note when the day is of your cycle, just start to pay attention. Like to honestly, the hugest revelations will come just from like downloading the MyFlow app and knowing what phase of your cycle you're in. Like that's, mm-hmm. you could just do that. And that yeah. would be amazing. Um, but then the kind of, you know, second step would be to keep an eye on your cycle and notice what, on what day am I the most tired and how on that day could I just move a little slower and do a little less? Not like you don't have to stay home from work. You don't have to call in sick. Just on that one day a month, how could I honor the fact that I'm actually tired? So I just think simple things like that create revolutionary results because it, it, it expands your consciousness into what's actually going on in your body so widely. And, you know, we talk a lot about like loving ourselves, right? In the Mm -hmm. personal growth industry. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anyone knows what that even really means. <laughs> One of I the know. practical ways you can do that. I mean, I think about, okay, so as a woman, um, and by the way, again, if you're not cycling, just pay attention to the moon, right? So like maybe on the day of the new moon, could you chill just a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, we are cyclical creatures as women. And one of the most practical ways that I can think of, of showing ourselves love is resting when we're tired. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Such an idea. Yeah. Like how about we don't ignore our body signals? Well, it's funny because you came to this realization when you got pregnant. I mean, well, what actually, I mean, I'm guessing what happened because it's what happened to me is you're so tired that you truly have no choice. Like you just, you act, you have to shut down. And so it's like, Oh, this is, this is my body actually forcing me to stop. And it happened to me too, and, and to Holly too. When we got sober, it's just like, bam! Like you're, 
zombie tired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this other thing too, and, and, and I know this is just a rephrasing of what you guys just said, but there's just – for me it was – I've always gotten in trouble for like I it's always been a liability that I'm cyclical and especially in the workplace especially in the type of careers that I've had you know I started my career off as a an accountant at a big four accounting firm and you're supposed to work really long hours and you're you know you're not supposed to heed these things and you're not supposed to be emotional and you're supposed to be consistent I literally had one of my first bosses literally sat in in the room with me all day and talked about how great this other he was he was uh he was from India and he was like a 12 year he was a partner in India but he was a senior in Silicon Valley whatever it doesn't even matter but he he every day would tell me how I wasn't like this dude named Jensen and how I think his <laughs> name was Jensen and how Jensen was so much better than me because he didn't do the things that I did and so it's like and that's a light that's a very that's a very light experience of that you know but we're yeah. we're made to feel so wrong and like it's like we shouldn't be cyclical like we should be the same every day like we you know like you shouldn't be a bitch on this one like why are you so angry why are you so tired why are you emotional you know like women are like consistently um criticized for be and as and called unstable and psychotic and crazy bitches with crazy eyes and all of that stuff for for being cyclical and yeah. hormonal and so it's just like one of these things it was just never it never occurred to me that that was that it was that that was nor- that I was normal it never occurred to me that I was normal until I really started to dig into like Rebecca Campbell's work and make yeah. and your friend Megan Watterson's work it never occurred to me. And then it was such a relief. And then I just – and then it was such a transformation. But that wasn't until last year, you know, when I'm 38. <laughs> yeah, I do feel like this is new. I mean, I was raised by, like, a freaking holistic gynecologist who's, like, so <laughs> celebrating all of it my whole childhood. And I didn't really come to this until I was 34. So, yeah. you know, whatever timing is great. And I will say that – about our culture talking about, you know, women being unpredictable and crazy and all that stuff. If you begin to follow your cycle and track the different phases and track the gifts of each phase, you will find that you're incredibly predictable on a 28-ish day cycle. Does Mike have the app for you? Actually, the app's really cool. You can put in your partner's email address, and what on the day that you switch phases, it sends them an email updating them on what they need to know. That's so that's awesome. so amazing. Yeah, Laura, it's smart though. Like it's really actually yeah. super smart. It's super smart. And then over time, you can begin to track for yourself. Um, this is part of my planner system. Um, is is the daily energy tracker. So you can start to track how you feel based on what day of your cycle you're on in and what phase or what phase of the moon is in. So then you can begin to set up your life accordingly, where if you know that like on day 20, you're going to feel cranky and not want to hang out with people. Well, don't make plans with people on that day. There doesn't mean you're not, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with you. Just like set up your life a little bit differently. Yeah. And I know we're like running up against the hour, but I, and I, I have one more question. I don't know if Holly does. Um, but I, but I wanted to say on that, like, I know I would always find out too late. I would just be like, fuck, I am so tired and so angry. And it's like the end of the day. I'm like, oh, right. I, or, or I would get my period the next day. Yes. Like, oh, right. so it's just like be, being behind that 
you know, situation. So I think this is, this is exciting. Um, do we, do you get to talk about what your book's about? Yeah. Yeah. It's about the same thing we've been talking about. Um, I don't know what it's called yet, but it's about doing less to have more. So, um, it's about, you know, strategically and consciously doing less and and stopping the bullshit of our culture that says we have to do more. Yeah. Does it feel like the work of your life? Like more than this? Yeah. That's awesome. This is, yes. I mean, this is definitely my life's work for right now. We'll see. But like, this is like, I am here to do this. And the other thing is it is specifically, I'm speaking specifically to working moms in this book. And so, um, the other great thing is like, I'm going to be a working mom, you know, with kids at home for at least the next 20 years. So it also feels like I'll have something to say on this for quite a while. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You built in a good, like, that's, that's good. Um, what do they call it when you're in a job career? Um, stability or stability, job stability. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, oh, I want to respect your time, Hall. Do you? I know you have something. Do you have anything else you want no, to No, I don't. No, no, no. I'm happy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No. I'm <laughs> Thank good. you. I know this kind of went all over the place. Let's We're do talking- less. Let's do. Wait, no. What is it? Let's do less and get more. Yeah. Let's keep this short and get more out of it. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Oh, on. my God. It's I- such a joy and such a pleasure. I know. Thank you, ladies. Yeah. And I love your work. Perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And thanks for, and I can't wait for the book and all of I the, know. All, and I'll make it to Portland again soon. And Please do. At you. Please do. Thank you. All, all right. right. Bye, Kate. Bye. 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 Infinitely so.